So this is a, a psalm that means a lot to me. It's one that I heard spoken on for a few weeks when I was a kid um, at the church we went to down in Plymouth. And it, it really resonated with me back then, and it's one that stuck with me forever. Um, and it's, I think everybody sort of has scripture that we, we turn to in the tough times and the good times, something that we can draw on in our own personal life. This, for me, is that scripture. Um, and I just, you know, pray that as we, we get through this today, that you guys would sort of take a little bit from what I've learned and what I've taken from it and be able to maybe apply it to your lives um, as we go through. So, I've really done a lot of work on my slides. 10 o'clock last night. Yep. Um, but I... I I just wanted to keep it really simple, right? Let's let's look at what the scripture says. Let's understand what it's it's speaking to us and how it's what what the author's trying to tell us, the psalmist is trying to tell us in these um in this text. I knew this wasn't gonna work. So verse one to three, the the, the start of this here. Um, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the mighty. I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I love how the Amplifier puts it afterwards. They, the Amplifier Bible at the end of it, end of that says, um, at the end of verse one, it says, um, the shadow of the mighty, those who, those power, no foe can withstand. Um, you look at those two verse, those two words, so the almighty um, and most high. Most high, the Hebrew word for it is Elon, or El, yeah, Elon, um, which is an adjective, um, and it's found in the Old Testament in different places, and expresses ex- extreme sovereignty and majesty of God in his highest premise. So we've got this image of that, right? This, this massive deity, and then Almighty, which is Shaddai. And um, that is... Um, nourishing, satisfying, and supplying his people with all their needs are like a mum. See this really cool picture coming in there, where you've got this amazing being that just overpowers and overshadows everything, that nothing can touch, that nobody can can ever um, defeat. But this love that a mother gives, and this protection that a mother gives, that's beyond um, uh, anything we've ever really seen in our lives. Um, in verse 2, it, it sort of goes on to say, he alone is our refuge and our fortress. Um, refuge is a place to flee and hide, right? Um, in, in Psalm 1425, David writes, um, I pray to you, O Lord, I say... You are my refu- place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. I don't know about you, but that first three verses just sums that up right. All I want in life is refuge and safety and protection. Um, we all sort of look for security and safety and protection and different things. Some of us would say it's in our job, some of it's in, in our family, um, but really it needs to come back to this fundamental here that our safety and our refuge should be found in Christ. Um, 
Proverbs 18.10 says that, um, describes the Lord as a strong tower and a righteous, the righteous run into its safety. So as I sort of put all these things together this week and I'm sort of sitting there thinking about it, I'm going, okay, what does that look like? Well, and, 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 and to me, I was sort of going back, okay, back to, well, there's a hole in the floor here. It's sinking. I have to get onto that. Um, sorry. Um, when we, when, when we think about that, when we look at the, the concept of an almighty God that's a fortress, that's something that we can shelter behind, what do we look at? And I, I kind of get this image of this massive castle with open gates that as his people we can dive into and doesn't matter what's going on. It's never going to fall, right? doesn't matter how great the army is that's coming towards that. It's just never going to fall. It's not the Alamo, right? It's, it's going to be there forever. Um, and to me, that just that grandeur that, that, yeah, that you get from that space. Um, years ago, Kelly and I travelled through Europe and we went up to Edinburgh Castle. And um, we, we were at Edinburgh Castle, we went to um, Czech, um, the Czech Republic and there's a massive castle there. And all through Europe there's these castles and they just blew me away with their bigness. But even, you know, those castles have been conquered. Not one of them has stood. But they just, I don't know how they did it, but they, they were pretty impressive in that whole process, right? So we move on to verse 3. He's going to deliver us from the snare of the fowl and the deadly pestilence. That sort of, you know, really sums itself up, right? It's that real clear um, conversation. So I'm going to jump through to the next trip. This isn't going to take long, by the way. This is going to be really quick. Um, the next sort of five verses, five or six verses, looks at both this concept of shelter and, and covering you under his pinions, under his feathers, um, and under his wings, to the refuge. So he's, he then goes, you know, he's got this big fortress focus, right? Can't get to me. But then the second piece where he's this covering you under your pinions, under the wings. So a few years ago when we were in lockdown, I, I sort of shared briefly on this um, in one of those little videos that we were doing as an eldership at the time and just trying to encourage people. And I found this picture of a kururu and it had two little pigeons underneath its wings and it was protecting it and to me it really just symbolized the real clear um, picture that we get where you've got this massive castle but you're coming in and mum's there dad's there they're just protecting you right so that whole God aspect going from this big powerful God to it's all right come in and shelter under me and I've got you um, really plays out and you can really sort of see that naturally you see it with hens I don't know if you've had chooks but Chooks are pretty good at it too, um, as long as you don't get on their bad side. Um, so you get that concept right. And then the shield. So the shield and the, buck, the buckler, they're quite interesting, right? So the shield, again, we're looking at this um, 
a, a, a large attack or onslaught. So I'm quite into my medieval stuff. I quite like watching those movies. So watched a few Viking ones over the years and a few Roman soldier ones, right? And you see that shield wall come up, right, where they, they build the wall of shields and doesn't matter what arrow comes at it, it just bounces off. And so that's really cool, right? So he's saying, don't worry, the far-off army's not going to get you because our shields are going to protect us. But the buckler, I did a bit of research on that because I was like, what the hang is that thing? And um, that's actually a little shield that's worn on your arm, a circle um, predominantly, and it's for close hand-to-hand -hand combat because you can't hold a big shield and swing a knife at the same time or a sword. So not only is he saying here, I'm going to protect you from a distance, but you've got protection in the close as well. So even if, for whatever reason, he breaks my walls, I'm going to be able to get through. They're not going to get past me because I've got you. I've got that buckler that's going to protect me. I've got that, that full field of armour um, that, that's there to, to look after us. Then we get into this next section here um, of, of terrors and fears. Um, and I sort of, to me, this, this, is, this is hard. What's the psalmist really trying to tell us here? Because, let's be honest, reality isn't that we're not going to get terrors at night. Um, the pestilence aren't going to take us because we, we, we hear and we know of people that are suffering from physical, from mental challenges, right? As, as Christians, we, we know that that's there, it's present in every day. Um, so what is the psalmist really trying to get to here in saying that? Um, and I think as I sort of read about it this week and sort of looked into it a bit more and really sort of tried to unpack those verses a bit more, I think, I think what the psalmist is trying to say here is that in the hard times and the tough times, I will look after you. I will be there with you. I will support you and I'll guide you. Um, I'm never going to leave you. And, and that's what God's really telling him through the psalmist is that he's got us in those tough times and he's got us in the hard times. Um, we see in multiple times God um, preserving his people in the midst of terror. You know, we think of the, the Israelites as they leave Egypt. David and King Saul. I mean, David had a pretty rough time there for a while where God hit him. But in those tough times, he taught them stuff. He taught the Israelites a whole pile of stuff for 40 years as they wandered around the desert. He taught David a whole pile of stuff that we hear about in the Psalms as he was able to connect greater with God um, in that time, in that journey. In my own personal life, I was sort of reflecting on, you know, there's multiple times where I can think of where God has journeyed me through something, but he's protected me through that. And one that I thought was, you know, worth sharing was, for me, about six or seven years ago now, I think it was. Um, no, not that long. Jordan's only five. Um, six years ago, I, lost my, I, I, I decided to leave... Um, a job I'd been employed for 12 years by Fletcher Building and I decided to leave and go and work for this um, small company and uh, to me it was going to be this great step up. It was going to give me flexibility and freedom at home. I was going to be able to be home with the kids more at home because 
I was traveling a heap for my work. Um, at the end of the three, three months, at the end of the 90 days, the bosses sat down and said, we're letting it go. And I'm like, what? I didn't see it. I didn't have any idea that it was coming. It didn't look to me like I'd done anything wrong. I was, went home devastated that afternoon um, and scratching my head, sitting with Kelly, crying because I lost my job. Um, she was pregnant with Jordan um, and he was about four months away from arriving. And um, I had no job. And so we sat there on the deck pretty upset and um, praying, and through that, I had to learn another level of reliance on him and another reliance on his church and my family. So in that time, I was given a job. My brother gave me a job. Um, Kelly went to work full-time, which was pretty tough, um, and we got through it. And while I was going through that journey, I then applied for multiple jobs, in different roles, and I, I landed a job that I would have never gone for if I hadn't lost my job because I wouldn't have been in that state of desperation. So I was throwing my CV out everywhere, just hoping for a job that might fit my specific skill set, which people say is talking. Um, so I get the job, and um, it was a job that took me a lot of places and I learned a lot of things. I ended up traveling just as much, if not more. But in that time, God used me. God used me while I was working for my brother. God used me while I was in that job. But I couldn't see it in that process. It wasn't until afterwards that I came out of it and I was sitting there two years later going, well, what was it all about God? But in that time, I reflected on this, this scripture and I looked at the scripture um, and it was of help to me. But it was also um, in that reflection, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't deadly pestilence, but it was pretty tough for me, the breadwinner of the family, the guy that's meant to go out, in my mind, and get all of those things for us. It meant that Kelly had to step up. She became the dominant breadwinner for that period, which was amazing that she could do that. But there was that change in power, I guess, and that sense in my head. Um, and there was a feeling of a wrongdoing to me that just didn't make sense. So for me, looking back and going, you know what, God, you had me through that tough time. You were able to see what I was going through and, and just put the right people around me. Um, it wasn't long after I'd actually joined the eldership, so made it even worse, right? I was trying to just, you know, step out. And I think when we look at the scripture, the next part that we're going to sort of look at here, so the Lord, the, the psalmist reminds us here again that the Lord um, is our refuge and he's our most high. So there's this constant reminder, right? And um, sort of missed this bit there, but when you, when you think about the Israelite people, and you think about us in particular, um, we, all, we all need that reminder. And I think the psalmist goes, hey, God is your refuge. God is your fortress. These things may happen, but I'll be there. 
don't worry. God is your refuge and your fortress. So there's that constant reminder, and, and we need that individually in our lives. In that time, I needed it to come from mum and dad. I needed it to come from other elders. I needed it to come from my mates. Don't worry, God's got you. And so in this space here, there's that concept that maybe this isn't just about you as an individual and God, but us as a collective and God. Us as a collective working together, supporting each other and building each other up in the tough times. And um, I, I kind of th see that as an undertone through here that there's that sort of concept that maybe this is just bigger than me and God. Um, So in that concept of us and God and me and all those challenges, verse 11 really pulls out to me. He goes, I'll command angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Um, now we've got to be real careful there, right? Because that verse is quoted in the New Testament when Satan is being tempted by the devil. Uh, Jesus is being tempted by Satan, sorry. Yeah, get that right. And um, they're on the roof in Jerusalem of the of a building, right? I think it's the temple. And Satan says to um, to Jesus, he tempts him, throw throw himself, throw yourself down um, from the top of the temple, and um, and the and the angels will protect you. And then Jesus quotes um, comes back and quotes from Deuteronomy six sixteen, do not put the Lord your God to test. And so we've got to be real careful with this. We can't expect angels to go before us and protect us and everything. But they're there. But we can't test it either, right? So we've just got to trust that it's there. We're going to have faith that it's there and not test it and not test God and put ourselves deliberately in danger. Um, Shelley once said to me, she was talking about um, her teenage son um, rising up and uh, growing up and, and speeding in cars. And we all, we, all, we all like to put our foot down, right? And she said to me, I always used to tell Timothy, and she was reminding me because I was talking to her about speed, um, don't let your angel get it behind you. and Don't get ahead of your angel. Um, and, and it's a kind of concept, right? If, if I deliberately speed or you deliberately put yourself in danger, you're getting ahead of God. You're getting ahead of what? He wants um, how he can protect you in that space. Um, so, yeah, we've just got to be real careful about that, right? But he is there. He is there to protect us. He will um, be right with you the whole way through. So I said it wasn't going to take long, and, and I'm being honest to that, and I'm being true. So we're nearly at the end of the, at the, end of the chapter, right? Um, at the end here, it's really cool. Um, the psalmist makes a point to change with the Lord acknowledging that he loves me um, and he creates a promise. He creates four promises in here. He creates a promise um, to protect. He creates a promise and he says it there. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. 
Um, when he's in trouble, I will rescue and honor him. And I will set aside him with long life. Um, God doesn't always fix the problem the way we think he's going to fix it, but he does fix the problem. He does create the opportunity for us to, um, to, to see him work in our lives and to see him do things. Um, Romans 5, 3 to, uh, 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, gives, who has been given to us. So God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He tells us that multiple times through the scripture. For me, this psalm is one that I go back to and I refer to regularly. When we were younger, we were in, in that series that this was broken down. I can't remember over a few weeks. So I'm just doing it really quickly. Um, we're encouraged to learn it um, off heart. And so my encouragement or my challenge to you is, do you know and do you have a scripture that you turn to regularly? Do you have a scripture that you can turn to and go, you know what, today I just need to be reminded that God's got me in the tough time. God's got me in the good time. Because if you don't, find one. Simple as that. Find something that you can go to, that you can memorize, that you can reflect on, um, Jake came back from camp this week and he was learning, they were looking at Hebrews 12 and running the endurance, running the race and the marathon that it is and he shared with us at dinner about that and it was quite cool listening to him give us that um, and, and share that with us but it reminded me of how important it is for us to really dig into the scripture and really be able to have pieces of scripture that we can go to and turn to um, during the tough times or because it's a, it's a marathon. We're not running a short race. It's not a sprint. So that, that, that's my encouragement. That's my challenge to you this week is that you would, if you don't, find one. And if you do, go back and have a look at it and remind yourself of why it's that powerful piece of scripture that you want to cling to in the tough times or in the good times. Um, so yeah um, I'm just going to pray and um, we'll sing a song and then we're going to do communion a little bit different this morning um, communion this morning I've, we've, we've brought it into smaller groups um, so we'll sing and then we'll break up into grab a tray, break up into a smaller group and let's do communion together as, a, as, as small groups um, pray for each other, pray as a group um, no time limit on it yeah um, we've got some journeys as a church that we're going through, um, and so it's a good chance for us just to stop and pray about those things as well and lay them before God's feet as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your endurance in this race that we, that we run together. Lord, we thank you that you are our refuge and you are our fortress, um, and we keep, just, just need to keep our focus on you. Um, we pray these things in your mighty name. 
Amen.